This is the EWN Podcast Network. If you're someone that feels like you have a lot to say, but either you're afraid to say it, or you just feel like you're not being heard, then meet Carrie MacArthur. Hi, I'm Carrie. If you have ever felt like you're invisible or that you want to be invisible, like you've lost touch with who you are, I just want you to know that I understand. I was there and I have spent the last six years of my life reconnecting to myself, my power, and my purpose. And now it is my passion to help you to dare to find your voice. So if you're ready, say I'm ready. I'm ready. joining me on this interview and being so willing to um, help me actually through the whole process. And I um, just want to introduce people to you first. So I don't even know if you need introduction. All the people that follow me probably follow you and know who you are, but I'm going to introduce you from my point of view. Just basically you are, I don't know. I can't even explain. So what? A goofball. A goofball, yes. This is a goofball that somehow was able to break through a shell I did not even have, didn't know I had, I mean. And um, you've taught me a lot about just how to live life, I guess, how to open up and how to um, discover who I am and also connection, which is actually the first thing that I wanted to talk about or have you talk about. Just kind of explain to us what connection means to you like what's the difference between living life connected to other people and then just going through the motions that kind of an idea by the way congratulations on your show for us well done big round of applause someone who uh really was quite a silent person is now you know stepping into a whole new realm and I see you keep challenging yourself outside your comfort zone, and I think it's really a powerful, um, it's a powerful medium that you have. And I think that you know you're you're destined already. You've already changed a lot of people's lives. But I think just the very nature of somebody not teaching something but living something and sharing it, which I think is different. You know, you're not just wanting to teach; you're just wanting to share what's already happening to you and is creating results, which I think is a much more powerful form of sh- teaching. Where a lot of people they read something, they they or they feel inspired to share something, but they they're not actually living it and sharing it at, at the same kind of time, which I think is very powerful. So congratulations. Thank you. Authenticity, at least. <laughs> well, and back to your question, I think that what the challenge is uh, with connection is, I think um, it's a, a number of years ago, probably ten years ago, I was doing a program and um, I had about two hundred people. And the main trainer, I wasn't really, maybe it was 12 years ago. I really wasn't the main trainer, yeah, but the main trainer didn't show up. And so I had this idea to put people into circles. I had one circle on the outside and one circle on the inside, and everyone was sitting with a person. And all I did was I just kept moving them from person to person to person and setting up questions. And it was unbelievable. I, and I realized in that moment that people – needed to be taught how to connect. It wasn't innate. 
In fact, the opposite is true. I think that, you know, when you think of what a child hears when they're young, you know, children should be seen and not heard. Don't talk to strangers, right? Um, you know, the, and the fear of humiliation and the fear of rejection are number one and two over death. So I always joke that most people would rather be in the coffin than delivering the eulogy at a funeral. I mean, just the case. So our whole society is set up to keep people from not connecting. And now with social media, you know, my children, much like yours, think that this is how we connect. And in fact, I'll often see my kids sitting at the table and sometimes they'll text each other and they're right opposite each other. You know, it's, so I think that people maybe have lost sight on what an authentic connection is and what does it mean to be authentic and connected. And authenticity means that we show up as we are. And I think when we're hiding ourselves and a lot of the work that you've, you know, is sort of expressing is the idea of showing up as you are in this moment. And with however it looks and however inside we may want to judge how that is, that we're authentic, that we show up. But to have a real connection with another person, I mean, to have a powerful connection with someone, often they're going to say something like, oh, my gosh, I feel like I've known you my whole life. And that's the first time you meet. That is someone who has a powerful ability to connect. And, and typically, it starts with an intention. Uh, and, and so for me, the intention I set with every single person I meet, I don't care where it is, who it is, how they are, even if I think they're weird looking or if they, they, they may not be someone that I would necessarily immediately think to become friends of mine, I would necessarily feel, okay, I'm setting an intention that when I connect with anybody, I connect with them with an openness to having that person in my life as a close friend. So my intention before I open my mouth is everyone's welcome in my life. That sets a very, very different tone. So that's one thing because I think when we're intentional about connection, when we, when, and, and why, why is it that we're not? Why would we be suspicious? Why would we, we be afraid to connect on that level? Because typically we're hiding a part of ourselves, you know, or we're judging ourselves. If we're in high judgment of self, we're definitely in high judgment of other people. And so we have to learn how to judge ourselves less, to judge other people less, right? So there's one thing. First of all, the intention. The second is finding a place to speak where we having where you have something in common quickly, so finding common ground, because a lot of people who are poor connectors, they have a view of life that's sometimes quite narrow, and they can only talk about the things that they like, and 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 or they have a position, or they have a faith, or they have something that is in this box over here, and what happens is anything outside that box is uncomfortable. So they don't have comfort speaking. So if you've got somebody over here, and I, my nephew's a great example. My nephew, he swears a lot. He has tattoos all across his face and down his body. He happens to be a tattoo artist. But he, he would appear to be someone who's menacing and frightening when you first see him. His name's Joe. And yet he's one of the most beautiful, kind, caring, hardworking, just an incredibly fun, authentic, but... The reason for the armor, the tattoos and everything else like that, I believe were born in when he was a young boy. He went through some incredibly hard times with men. And I think that that sort of ended up sh him showing up in the world with all of his piercings and his tattoos and his language was just simply a defense mechanism. So someone like myself, if I'm a master connector, first of all, I don't judge how he looks. Secondly, I set the intention that he's welcome in my life. And thirdly, I want to talk about the things that he 
is comfortable talking about. So let's say that, you know, and maybe it's tattoos, maybe it's art, maybe it's body piercing, maybe, and those maybe are things that I don't have a tattoo on my body and I have no interest in having a tattoo, but it doesn't mean I can't appreciate a tattoo artist and I can't ask questions about the process and, and what's it like to be able to create art on someone's body that's going to be there for a lifetime. I mean, I can think of a thousand questions just right now and then suddenly this person will feel heard and seen and, and you're going to see a, a, a difference in the connection Right, And I think the third thing is not expecting anything. I think a lot of people go into every relationship and they have the, an expectation of what they get back. And I think that great connectors don't have that expectation. They simply are willing to be in that moment and be as deeply connected, loving, kind, caring, compassionate. And whether you never see that person again, the investments in the moment with that person without any expectation of, you know, seeing them or maybe even though they're welcome to be friends with you, you may never see them again, but you treat it as if that connection is the most important connection that you'll ever have. Because let's be honest, if a bus came along right as you were talking and knocked you off onto the road and killed you, that could be the very last connection you ever had. So, I mean, I, I know that's a bit morbid, but you know, to, to treat every connection as if it's the most valid connection, I think, is important. So that was a long answer to a short question. but That's the best kind of answer. Um, so what if I twist it a little bit? Do you think judgment can come? It's always, not always negative, right? So, um, and I might miscontribute. I just want to get your opinion on. So for me personally... I always thought that I didn't judge other people and that I've always been open to other people, but I still wasn't connecting. And so what I've learned through working with you and, and other people is that um, the judgment I was placing was in the opposite, like judging them to be better than I am in all ways. And so um, well, you bring, you bring up a great point. to them as long as they didn't connect to me because I didn't want them to I don't know. I didn't know that I didn't want him to see who I was, but the more I'm learning, that's exactly what it is. Well, so I, think, I think your point, which is a really great point, is that when somebody is in high judgment of themselves, they don't see themselves as valid um, in the relationship. So you're already detached. So it doesn't matter how great, and that's why for me, how you saw you or how you thought I saw you, because that's the worst part. People who are in high judgment, they actually interpret and make up stories about how other people see them. So they go through life making up all these stories like, oh, that person thinks I'm stupid or that person thinks I'm not pretty, whatever. And so what ends up happening, all of those thoughts that we have about self will become the the, the, the separation because if we don't if we're not in love even with our own imperfection if we're not if we're in high judgment of self if we're constantly beating ourselves up we're going to shrink and when we shrink it's not that other people don't care it's just that we've isolated ourselves to a point where it's almost impossible for the normal person who doesn't understand connection to connect because what they what they're picking up on, they're going to think when somebody is really shy and won't look at you and they're looking, you know, they're, they're disconnected, they're going to take it personally. They're going to say, oh, she doesn't like me. They're not thinking that you're thinking that, you know, um, that this person's better than or whatever. They just see the, the physicality and the body language and the, and the retreat and they, they misinterpret it. They'll go, oh, she doesn't like to be around me. So then they close up. And now you have two people closed off. And that's why I always say, you know, uh, everyone's waiting for somebody else to go first. And that way a master connector 
won't interpret body language or they won't interpret shyness or they won't interpret somebody who's in heavy judgment and they'll still go in and connect because they're not because that's that thing about expectation they're not expecting the person to like them you know so in other words just because i go in with an open heart and with this possibility of us being friends doesn't mean you're going to like me right away in fact you may be PO'd with me right away because I'm interfering with your space and suddenly this person is right in your and so it's kind of like affronting it's almost like oh my gosh I've no one's ever been this close to me before and, and they can see me and now I'm scared and so you actually can often push away a great connector in the beginning but as long as that person has no expectation and continues to see you and continues to communicate about things that are important to you then I think the bridge can be built right yeah, so the reason I wanted you to talk about that was because one thing that I've learned is that if I feel it, I'm not the only one. Things that I share um, on the podcast with Dave or um, on Facebook that I think are just so exclusive to me and so insignificant are the ones that get the most response. And so I'm learning that I'm not the only one that feels that way, but I think we interpret judgment as just a negative my negative view about other people so I think well I don't think bad about other people so I don't know what's wrong with me but there's not it's not that there's something wrong with you it's just reinterpreting just what you explained right there and that's been part of my my transformation I guess well I mean I think the the real truth is I my son is just going through something right now and so my youngest son um in you know he, I, I'm, a, I'm a little reluctant to share because I haven't got his permission, but I'm going to share it if it serves somebody. I don't want anyone posting about this, but, you know, he had, he's been, like, he's 16, and he's been attracted or wanting to have a relationship, but he's just not found anybody that he's really attracted to because he's really clear that he wants to be with someone special. He wants to be with someone that he has a lot in common with. And he recently found that person and he's just, and they started to go down that road and she realized that she wasn't ready and it just devastated him, devastated. And I didn't know, I, I was traveling, I was in Vancouver and I got a text from his mom saying, have you spoken to Ben? He just seemed so upset. And I knew immediately what had gone on because I knew what was going on because he shares everything with me. And um, so I just texted him and I said, hey, what's up? You know, and he, he wasn't necessarily in the beginning ready to disclose what was going on. But he was devastated. But what was happening when he was devastated, he went into himself and he disconnected from everybody, from his mom, from his friends, from everyone. And he was just disconnected. And what happened was this girl that he was so attracted to, who was really just trying to find her own way. I mean, young teens trying to discover what they're ready for and not ready for. So I talked to him about... I said, look, you know, it's in the heart of time that our character is really tested. And if you really want to have a relationship with this girl, then you not internalizing and making up all these stories. If you, if you set the intention and let her know that while you're sad that you're not going to date, you're excited to continue to be friends. I said, just watch what happens. So he did that. And he texted me. I was on a plane. He texted me 30 seconds later. He said, oh, my God. He said, I can't believe it. She's like ecstatic. I want to be friends. So again, he could have continued to make up stories about what she really wanted, which was nothing to do with him, where in fact, she's just trying to find her own way. And as soon as he 
as soon as he went first and realized that his character is going to be tested in the hard times, and it's in the hard times that we do things that seem contrary to what we want because he's sad. And he was really sad. He said to me, he said, I can't believe it. He said, I was just so upset. And he said, I was crying. And this really shook his world. But then the idea was, well, what if you didn't make up a big story about it? What if this is going to be an important part of you two becoming and having an, a remarkable relationship? Because she can see that when you were really down, you dug deep and you did something that she didn't expect, which was to say, guess what? You're important enough to me. I want to be friends with you. And immediately the connection was there, right? So where were you when I was 16? Okay. <laughs> That's such a great lesson. And I, it's crazy that it's taking so long to have learned it, but I think it, it's kind of leading into the rest of what I wanted to ask you about, which was um, part of connection. And it, my focus is more on women, um, but really for anybody, part of connecting I'm learning is first connecting to your true self or the word that I use is um, virtue, just your truth, your, your true belief, just who you are as a, as an authentic person. So we have to first connect to ourselves. And then once we've done that, we're able to connect to our power and our purpose and be able to really find our way in the world and in doing that, helping other people to do the same thing. So I don't know if you, know what I'm saying if you want to elaborate on that but I just well, I think it's really hard to for people to know what that means sometimes because you've done a lot of work and you've spent a lot of time going to different programs and to find yourself but it just for someone sitting at home listening to this saying all right connect with your true self so many people have worn so many masks for so long especially women who end up you know um in a society, and the sun's coming through this window. I've got the curtain down. It's just blurring in, so I'm going to turn into a very funny color white. Right? <laughs> right? But I just want to let you know that's what's going on. It's just a beautiful sun, sunset. Um, the, the, the women are in a society where, you know, they've been thought of as second class in many, many senses. I mean, they still don't get equality in the workplace. Um, but certainly in some cultures, I don't know where this is going, but in some cultures, women are thought of as a second or third or fourth class citizen within the realm of men. I mean, you look at a lot of the world where women really don't have the same rights. So you got that. Then you've got the fact that, you know, the amount of masks that we wear to survive our environment, our parents, our grandparents, our church, all these different messages that come in. So a lot of people feel that they have to wear a mask in order to survive and, and please their parents and please their faith and please and do all the right things. So now they've got all these masks on. So connecting with our authentic self, it's like, well, who am I? I mean, what, what is authentic about me, right? And authenticity, um, so it's one of the most succulent uh, discoveries when we realize that we're completely transparent and that there's nothing we won't tell. See, I think authentic people will tell you the truth about anything. There's nothing they'll hide. They won't say anything like, oh, I, I can't talk to you about that because you're a stranger. Ask me a question, any question it is, whether it's about the bedroom, the bank account, it doesn't matter. Then if I am authentic, I have no fear about how you see me. I have nothing that I need to hide. And I think truly authentic people are not concerned about being liked. They're not concerned about being judged. They're not concerned about saying and doing the right thing. They're going to say and do the thing that's truthful to them in this moment because truth can change. 
with compassion. In other words, they're not just going around saying, well, screw you guys, I'm going to do this. They're going to say, hey, you know, this is my truth and I understand it may not be your truth and I respect that. So it's not a question of just being, uh, you know, arrogant about the truth, but it's being unafraid of the whole truth, which is like what Ben said to my youngest son when he said to me, I said, Ben, I said, just, I said, when in doubt, tell the absolute truth. That's what I told him. And which means like, tell her you're sad. Tell her that you want to be with her and you understand it's not going to happen. So you're really, really excited to be friends. But let her know the first part as well. Don't be this big tough guy that's going to say, well, no, no, no. You know, I'm, yeah, okay, well, great. And then you just, the mask goes on. I'm hurt, but I'm not going to say anything. And he told his friends the same thing. And then he sat in front of other friends and tears came up. So I said, that is that is authenticity. That is the, the evolution of authenticity is when we can be real in the moment and unafraid of really what's happening. So we don't have to choke down the tears. We don't ever have to say to someone, well, actually, I don't want to talk about that because, you know, I'd rather hide that part of my life, right? Um, so I think, you know, discovering the authentic self may take a lifetime. But the practice, I think, the discovery of real authenticity comes from the practice of being truthful all the time. Actually, no, I don't like this. You know, actually, I had it happen uh, today. This guy phoned me. His, uh, and his name's Mike. And he'd been over the house and he left a little card. And he called me like three times today. And I thought, you know, I'm going to call him back. And he's like, hey, he says, I'm in this new company. And now I'm a, I'm a network marketer and I'm proud to be. And he goes on. He says, I've left you a card. He said, this is it. This is amazing. I just want you to follow the link. And I said, Mike, I said, look. I care about you, so I want to tell you something. I have zero interest in following that link. I said, I have a home, and you've watched since I've known you. I'm around a company. I'm an expert in this profession. I know exactly what to look for. You've jumped around, and I said, you may still jump. I said, I'm guessing this is a you're getting in early, right? He said, yeah, this is only 22 months old. I said, well, I would never join a company that's 22 months old. I would join a company that's 10 years minimum old because I understand the stats. I said, and I hope this works for you. But I want you to be really clear. I have zero interest in going into anything or looking at anything, but I will help you. And if you decide, if this goes south one more time, I urge you to come and work with me because I can help you succeed in this profession. That, that is compassionate authenticity, which is most people say, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I'll look. Because he was so passionate. But I need him to know the absolute truth. The absolute truth is I'm not going to look. I have zero interest in looking, but I don't have to be bugger off. That's another, that's the arrogance, that's the anger. Stop bothering me. I can say, look, both. I won't do it, but I'm open to help you. And look, you know what? I feel like I could help you because I think you just jumped in from place to place. I remember the last time he asked me to look at something, right? So anyway, that, that was what I mean about compassionate truths. And authenticity is born in that place where you don't need people to like you. It's really important. If you're out to get people to like you, you're going to lead a very funny life because, you know, you're going to be kissing a lot of, you know, bums, <laughs> right? Can I say, I don't know what kind of audience you have, but I'm sure the women are, are okay with it. not authenticity, right? So you can say what you want. I'm well, like, I was going to say ask, but I didn't. So <laughs> I was going to ask on your show. <laughs> okay, so I know that, um, I mean, that's part of my my desire, my purpose in, in what I'm doing is helping people to take those steps to go through what I've been going through in order to find that. But I'm wondering if you have a good, I mean, you were my first step really. I mean, I've been on a journey my whole life and um, but that, that one 
what was it a week not even quite a week where i met you and spent with you made such a drastic difference so there was one step and i don't feel like you it was accidentally i think i knew you knew exactly what you were doing so for people that are wanting to connect with themselves and then with other people but are not sure the first step to take do you have a first step that you would recommend well, i think that you know especially for women women find it's really really hard to understand is that you're your most important investment and most women are conditioned to put their children first their husbands first um their lovers first you know everyone comes first and so women often will play second or third or fourth or fifth fiddle. And a lot of women, my, my, my ex-wife Pam and I are really best friends. But, you know, the, the children are first. And I keep warning her. I keep saying, Pam, you know, you're first. These kids are, you know, they're going to go off and do their thing. They may end up living. Look at me. I left, I left England when I was 20. I'm 55 this year. Um, and, I mean, I don't see my mom very much. She put all this investment into me. It's like, I'm gone, right? I live on another part of the planet. And, you know, so awesome. But it's not so awesome for her if I'd been the center of her world and I built, she built her identity into being a mom. You know, part of your identity is a mother, but that's not your identity. Part of your identity is a job, but that's not your identity. It's just a part of who you are, part of what you choose to do. But, you know, I think that... Um, for women especially, is deciding that you are the most important investment. And I think that if we looked at that week that you're talking about, the one thing that I asked of you, and even though you were very reluctant in the beginning, was I asked you to step outside of the comfort zone that you were in. And I asked you elegantly to play and just feel what it was like to be completely uncomfortable. And I think that, you know, we can't discover a new road by staying on the same one. And so if you're on a road right now where you don't have this internal fortitude or if you do always constantly hear negative thoughts about yourself, if you're constantly in self-judgment, if you think you're not smart enough or not pretty enough or too fat or whatever those thoughts are, if you're consumed by that, just know this, so is everybody else. Everybody. It's just some of us have learned how to quieten the negative thinking and replace it with more positive conversation. That's what you've done. You've replaced the two conversations. What you used to say is shrunk and sometimes it's going to pop back up. So you're going to have a day or a moment or whatever where that whole noise will come up and you're going to go into self-doubt and it's going to come whining back. But because you've done so much work, you're going to be able to drown it out again and you're going to be able to put yourself into a situation. And part of the situation you're in right now is contribution. That's what your show does. That's what this is doing is giving back. And that keeps us focused on a great internal conversation because this is look what we're talking about. It's about truth and authenticity and purpose and power. So I think the first step, A, is to choose. All change, I'm eating a mint. I don't know why I felt. I had these polo mints from England, and I have them in my drawer here. I mean, look at these. I used to eat these when I was a kid, and for some reason, I just felt like eating. I don't know why. Who, who eats them in the middle of a podcast? All right, anyway. Um, that'd be crunchy. It's so good. Oh, yummy. Um, but so the first step, you know, is awareness. Um, so if you want to change, awareness. So we are aware of that we would like change. And so if anyone's sitting there saying, I want to change something, the first massive step is being aware that you want that and that what's happening for you right now is not fulfilling the purpose that we all, I, I think that we're all here for a reason. And your children may be that reason, by the, by the way. But, you know, being aware of 
of, and then being aware of why you're like you are. And that's what I had to do. I had to go back and realize, because I lied till I was 44. I didn't know how to tell the truth till I was 44. So it's been, you know, a decade that I've actually been a truthful person. Before that, I just, everything that came out of my, my, my mouth was an exaggeration or a lie. I was so invested in people liking me that I'd make crap up just so that I sounded better, right? I was totally insecure. And so, you know, what I know from a personal experience is that it is a journey, but I made myself the most important investment. I became very aware of what was going on. And then I became aware of why it was there. And I look back into my own story and, and without blaming anybody, because blame doesn't help, but just going back and saying, oh, I see why. From this indoctrination, I would see this. And, and so I just went back, practiced a lot of forgiveness, forgave a lot of people along my journey, forgave myself, and then started to invest in, you know, hanging around different people, having a different conversation, reading different kinds of books, and just slowly. And that's what I love about network marketing as a profession. I don't know if network marketers are listening, but, uh, but as network marketing as a profession is because you're in a group of people who are committed to their own personal growth. And when you're around people that want to grow, it's impossible not to grow if you keep showing up. Because as you're around great people, they're going to look at you and see greatness. Because great people say great Great people see great things in other people. And people who are not great see crappy things in other people and they want to gossip and talk about that stuff. So I think environment is stronger than willpower. And so putting ourselves in an environment of change, be aware, look at where it came from, and then get ourselves into an environment more often. So get some more um, personal development programs or get on like this kind of thing, listen to great podcasts, and the more that we change the conversation in the head, like you've done consistently, the more we start to live authentically because then the only thing that comes out of our mouth is truth. I love that. So you say a lot, stop taking advice from what? Broke. That's basically what you just said, you know, surrounding yourself with the new environment. Well, I think that a lot of people, you know, we, I mean, when I think of my conditioning, you know, everyone in my world was either drunk, did drugs, and were broke. So my whole world, the only thing I knew had been given to me by broke, drunk, druggy people. That's all I knew. The world, and here's the thing. If you think about it right now, you think of a young boy in Africa in a village in Africa. Now, you, you're not there. They're completely, as far as your world is concerned, you have no bearing on what's going on, but they have grown up within a tribe and they have been taught what to think and how to think about women, about themselves, about the, the role, about their future life, what's expected for them. And so because of that indoctrination, they're going to live a certain pattern throughout their life. Now, if I took that same kid and he came and lived here with me in Canada, even for a year. And as has this new world opened up, and this exactly happened to me. I picked, I picked up a hitchhiker called Catherine Matziwa. I was driving through Zimbabwe, and in Zimbabwe, everyone hitchhikes. And they, they pay you. I, I never took their money, but they pay you. It's like the only form of transport. There's no buses. And so I took her about three and a half, four hours, and I dropped her off in uh, Harare, which is the capital of Zimbabwe. And we exchanged information. And after about three months, I got a letter asking whether I'd be willing or open to support her village with clothing, blah, blah, blah. So we got involved in helping them. And then she asked, she said, is there any chance, would you be open for me coming to, to Canada? 
I said, sure. So uh, my wife and I at the time, we bought her a ticket. She flew through Bulgaria, through Sofia, and she came in Canada. And, I mean, she'd never seen snow. I picked her up in the middle of winter, and we gave her a job in our, in our company. And it's like, this is like going from Africa, Zimbabwe, into the cold north of Canada. And she's like, I mean, and even actually we're driving past the ski and I hit some ice and the, the car span. We didn't go off the road, but we went into a full spin. I mean, you've never heard someone scream. Like, you know, here she is. Everything is new. Anyway, so she worked with us and she started to hear and listen to different conversations. I lived with a, uh, I had a really beautiful group of friends in a small town in Canada. And then another friend of mine lived in Calgary. He invited her to come and live at his place. And so she went and lived there. And then another friend invited them to come down to the States where she ended up doing a PhD and a master's degree. She became a professor at a university in America. Now, that was a hitchhiker in a small, hitchhiking from a tiny village in Zimbabwe. And here she is now a professor in the United States. Her world changed because her environment changed. And the more willing we are to get outside of our environment and discover and be uncomfortable in new things, the more, the more quickly we, we have conversations with people that we, we, we respect and love and the more things we listen to that are great, the quicker the journey is to authenticity and truth, right? Yeah. That's awesome. So I love pretty much everything about you, but I love your story because it's something I think sometimes I did and I do still. I forget over and over. Most of the people that I look up to, I just assumed they were always amazing. They were always like perfect. They were always, you know, but you said you were what, 44? Um, you said you, anyway, your life was different. And then I know um, Kathy Coover, who's the the president, CEO of the company that, that we're a part of. And, you know, just all these different people that I'm meeting, they all s started becoming these powerful people in their 40s it seems like and so I used to feel like um, I'd wasted my life and there was nothing left you know and now I'm realizing there's a lot of life left and, and nothing was wasted it was all a journey but I love hearing it from from people like you just it's like a permission thing it's like a breath of fresh air so it is dangerous because what happens with, with the negative mind we're gonna live in really two worlds the mm -hmm. fear of the future and the regret of the past. And so, because remember the mind's job. The, if the mind's job was to make us rich and happy, we'd all have positive thoughts. Imagine if in your mind right now, you ladies listening, there was like, you wake up, it's like, you, wakey, wakey, come on, wake up. You look beautiful this morning. Oh my God, you could do anything. You're the most powerful woman in the world. Imagine your mind did that. That only time it spoke to you, it said how great you were, how powerful you were, how attractive you were, how that round bum is just the sexiest old bum you've ever, right? Whatever it is. Though, so if your mind is constantly in reinforcing your greatness, you would never have a negative thought. But the mind's job is not designed as a part of the mind, or there's many parts of the mind, the psycho-cybernetic me mechanism. Of, um, and, and, and what happens is with the mind, the mind's job is to keep us alive. And there's the old part of the mind, the reptilian part of the brain. It's just keep us emotionally alive, keep us physically alive. So its job is to keep us in a box, a small box. So we take no risks. So it just keep us exactly where we can to survive. It's a survival mechanism. 
right? And that's why I don't know anybody that hasn't gone through massive amounts of self-doubt uh, unless they grew up with remarkable parents and a remarkable kind of community of really positive energy constantly. I've, I've met kids like that, and they're like, you just meet them, and you think, oh, my gosh, they look like, they sound like they're 40, and they're like, and they're just so full of love and everything is wonderful. They, 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 they have a, a level of authenticity to them. But otherwise, I think most of us have gone through this negative thing. But we've got to understand that the brain is never, we can't think our way to the world we want. We have to behave our way. Because if we listen to our mind, our mind's always going to send, oh, they won't want to talk to you. Oh, they don't like you anyway. Oh, you're too stupid. That's your mind talking to you, right? But when we behave our way, in other words, when we can constantly step out, even though we hear the doubt, right, we take a step and we say hello. We, we hear the doubt, we take a step and we invite somebody over for dinner. We hear the doubt and we do these, we behave our way to greatness. We have to constantly, in spite of what our mind is saying to us, and that's why working on ourselves is pretty much, you know, in fact, most of you out there, I guarantee a lot of you have car payments. Most people do. I bet 94% of Americans have car payments in North America. If you just took that car payment and went and bought an old jalopy, you could buy a jalopy. I mean, you know, you could buy a car for 500 bucks that will keep, that will last you a couple of years or a year. And you took that car payment, whether it's 200 to 500 or a thousand bucks a month, and you put it into a personal development journey for yourself. That would be the greatest, greatest thing you could ever do. But why do we buy a car we can't afford? Because we want people to think we're more successful than we are. I would rather you rode a bike. I said, actually, you know what? I don't have a car. I can't afford one. But guess what? I am loving life, right? Because, But that's the game. The game is we live in houses we can't afford. We buy cars we can't afford. And it puts under distress. And everyone's put the mask on. Everyone's pretending things, things are not like they are. And that, again, why I love network marketing. Because truly, to succeed, you have to grow. You can't grow in a network marketing company um, and you can't grow your wealth without growing yourself. And I, I love that saying, uh, you know, my wealth can only grow to the extent I grow myself, right? Yeah. yeah. I've lived that over and over and over again in the past few years. And so I'll stand by that 100%. No, 1,000%. This is the EWN Podcast Network.